Hi, listeners. This is The Lead. I'm Mateo Silas. I just wanted to jump on before this episode started to give you a brief warning about this episode. This episode is dedicated solely to the Hollis Daniels trial and a brief update of what's going on in the courtroom. You'll hear from me, Adam Young, and our court's reporter, Gabe Monty. We are going to be talking about some very hard topics such as murder and the shooting of Floyd East Jr. This podcast is not suitable for a younger audience, so at this time, please make sure there's no kids in the room. If the conversation gets too much, just remember you can always stop the podcast and we'll see you back here next week with another episode of The Lead. So without further ado, here's the episode. And now we're joined by the Avalanche Journal's breaking news and trends reporter, Matteo Rosiles, and our courts reporter, Gabriel Monti. Gabe's been following the Hollis Daniels, the third capital murder trial that um, started really in full force last week. Um, what did we learn from that last week, Gabe? So we started off the trial with uh, Hollis Daniels uh, entering an open plea of guilty to the capital murder charge filed against him six, five years ago. Uh, but because his plea wasn't part of a deal with the district attorney's office, he's still facing the full range of punishment, which is uh, life in prison without parole or the death penalty. Understood. And then there was uh, testimony and evidence presented through the week after, you know, as part of this uh, punishment phase. But what, what stood out to you? Right. So because he pled guilty, um, you know, nothing, um, he's basically admitting to what he did. And so, um, Prosecutors still have to present evidence of his crime, which included playing uh, basically the graphic video of um, the shooting of Officer Floyd East Jr. Um, back in October 9, 2017 at the, the Texas Tech Police Department. Understood. I know just in reading your coverage and seeing social media posts from, you know, obviously other reporters there, the thing that I thought was that really stood out, even though everybody knew what to expect, kind of knew how this had played out five years ago back in 2017 was the, uh, um, the, the, the video from, uh, I guess the interrogation room. Right. So, um, the way, uh, when they played the video to jurors at the trial, um, they made sure not to show the video to the gallery. Basically, they set up two widescreen TVs inside the courtroom and um, angled them toward the uh, the jurors and the, the attorneys and the judge. And basically, um, everybody in the gallery were unable to watch the video. We just basically heard what was going on. And what was the atmosphere in the room like as, this, as that's playing out? Right. So as we're basically listening to this video, it was very tense. Um, it kind of describe it as like waiting for a balloon to pop because we all were expecting we know we all knew what was going to happen in the end um it was just a matter of you know when it was going to happen and and if anything if we could hear or uh, yeah if we could hear and si anything that would signal um the shooting and what happened was after um police texas tech police initially responded to um his hollis daniels roommates reporting hearing shots fired in his dorm room, they went to investigate. And um, as they were looking at the dorm room for, um, you know, signs or evidence that, that a gun was fired in the room, they um, shifted their investigation to the drugs that were just laying around uh, Hollis Daniels' room. As he was being arrested for this uh, drug offense, he was brought to the Texas Tech Police Department's briefing room. And um, as a sort of standard procedure, Officer East removed his body camera and sort of placed it uh, on a table where 
both he and the, the suspect would be in frame. So you sort of see the entire um, uh, the entire time you would see Floyd East and uh, Hollis Daniels sitting next to each other as Floyd East is preparing his uh, basically what's arrest paperwork and, and pre-booking uh, information. And um, as, you know, East is, is working, it was later uh, discussed that, you know, before Hollis Daniels shoots the officer, um, he asked him about his kids and, you know, made some statements that before firing the gun and that was it. And when that gunshot erupted in the courtroom, I mean, at least one juror jumped out of his seat. Yeah, so I know just that's just a lot for people to endure. And obviously, this whole process has been under what a, a gag order. So some of these right. details haven't come out, like the part about um, the Hollis Daniels asking the officer questions and some of that dialogue exactly. uh, during that. So uh, I guess with a lot of that information coming out this week, what, what are the, uh, our, you know, you know in, in the last few days, what are your expectations? expectations for the uh, week ahead as the trial continues? So as the trial continues, we're sort of nearing the end of the prosecution's case in chief. Basically all the evidence that they're wanting to present to essentially ask for the death penalty. And so once the week, once that happens, um, we're expecting, you know, defense to start, the defense attorneys to start presenting their case in chief, which essentially is, you know, trying to say that Hollis Daniels isn't the same person that you know that shot officer east he's changed and a lot of the uh, a lot of the factors that drove him to shoot officer east and, and shoot and kill officer east are, are no longer there he's no longer uh you know he's he's on uh, stable medication and and you know he's not had any problems at the jail in the in the five years that he's been held there so they're basically saying that um you know hollis daniels is no longer a danger no longer presents a danger to the community and should be in prison for the rest of his life. Understood. But at this point, the are, are there more options or are there options beyond uh, life in prison or uh, the, the death penalty? Could this no, play out another way? No. So since he's already pled guilty to capital murder, the only options that he faces are life in prison without parole or the death penalty. He's sort of locked into that. If they had maybe gone uh, through the guilt-innocence phase of the trial, you know, uh, his attorneys might have argued for the inclusion of a lesser included crime, though that's kind of unlikely to succeed because the the elements of a capital offense, particularly in his case, includes the the, the, the killing of a police officer. And you've been covering this trial for years now, uh, or not this trial, but this case for years now. Over those course of years, you probably had some questions that you wanted answers. Has this um, trial answered some of those questions that you've been asking? Right. So one of the bigger mysteries of this uh, of this case was how Hollis Daniels was able to bring a gun into the uh, the Texas Tech Police Department after his arrest, and also why he was uncuffed when um, he was in the police department. And so so um, after the shooting, uh, Tech officials had. Uh, held a news conference basically saying that they were going to review the policies and procedures um, at the time at the Texas Tech Police Department to sort of answer these questions. Unfortunately, uh, about a month after that, uh, Hollis Daniels was indicted and the, the presiding judge of that court issued a gag order preventing any agency that investigated the case or had any sort of uh, relation to the case from speaking to the media. And so all those questions were sort of um, 
kept from us because of that gag order. And, you know, finally we, we saw some, we, we finally get those answers at, at this trial and, um, and, and those answers kind of lay, were in the, uh, uh, were in the body cam videos of the officers that arrested him. And it showed that when Hollis Daniels encounters the officers at his dorm room, uh, you know, he searched. Uh, one of the officers actually demonstrated on a prosecutor how he searched Daniels for officer safety. And he told jurors there that, you know, there was no way he would have been able to miss this this murder weapon, the, the gun that was um, used in Officer East's killing. And, you know, they're... They're showing him sitting down on a couch, and uh, that couch was never searched. But Hollis Daniels never leaves that couch as he's, you know, interviewed by the police. And then again, uh, he's placed in handcuffs and searched one more time by Officer East, this time who decides to arrest him for the drug charges. And again, he's sat back down on the couch, and you can see Daniels sort of shifting his legs, moving, which is what officials believe is when he's finds the gun in the couch and secrets it in his pants. And um, you see the gun more clearly when he's uh, brought into the police, uh, Officer East's uh, patrol unit, because there's a, a video camera that points to the back seat. And you can see Daniels sort of shifting around in the seat. And at some point, you see parts of the gun um, as he moves it from the back of his pocket pants to the front waistband. And, um, you know, the, the question of why Hollis Daniels wasn't handcuffed was because um, it, it was under uh, as a, a part of officer discretion whether or not to keep an arrestee in handcuffs. And because Hollis Daniels wasn't presenting as a hostile or combative arrestee, you know, he was sort of calm and cooperative. They decided, you know, to take the handcuffs off him at, well, as they're processing him for, uh, for the detention center. And I know this trial can be definitely hard on the family. How has the court taken precautions or have they um, done anything for the family during this trial and have they been there? Right. So for Floyd East's family has been at the trial for most of um, or have been in court for most of the trial, um, except for uh, what, when, when prosecutors played the, that video of, of the shooting um, before uh, playing that video, you know, the, the officer East's family was let out of the courtroom so that they wouldn't. Um, have to hear uh, what essentially were his last moments of life. And um, I asked uh, so, uh, some officials if, you know, maybe the family had already seen that video and, and uh, they, they have not, at least as far as what I've been told. So, you know, basically out of courtesy and to, to you know, prevent them from kind of reliving this tragedy or, or even being shocked by this, they, they were um, let out of the courtroom. Yeah, certainly nobody would want to see them have to experience that in a public setting like that. Of course. That's, um, you know, very uh, very hard. And, and even um, members of the gallery, you know, we didn't watch, we weren't able to see the video, but just hearing it was was uh, uh, just, you know, it was just heartbreaking. So I know um, one thing about the whole thing about the justice system is that it moves a little bit slower than what we expect and see on TV and, of course, in what people's minds. And people expect this case to be um, <clears throat> case open and close uh, just because he plead guilty and he's all that. How much longer are we expecting this case to go on? So it really depends right now on um, how many witnesses the defense has. Um, obviously, they're trying to, you know, save their client from uh, the death chamber. And so, you know, they're going to be presenting as many people, many character witnesses, basically, as possible, maybe even some uh, experts from uh, psychological experts to show that, you know, Hollis Daniels no longer 
is suffering from the sort of mental illnesses and, and addictions that he was struggling with um, at the time and before and at the time of the shooting. That's good. Well, Gabe, thank you very much for taking the time to go over that with us and, and obviously all the time you've spent documenting this case for, uh, for our audience. Sure thing. Thank you.